Welcome to Warpod, a podcast brought to you by SaferWorld, asking international experts about the risks of contemporary conflict and how to address them. In this episode, we're looking at one of, if not the biggest challenge that feminist and women's rights organisations and movements face, especially those working in places affected by conflict, and that's funding. In particular, the need for different ways of funding for women's rights organisations. I'm Jessica Summers, Head of Communications at Safer World. And I'm Delina Gojo, Associate Fellow at Egmont and PhD candidate at Scuola Normale Superiore in Florence. So to make the case for how new ways of funding are making a difference in South Sudan, Nigeria and Yemen, we're joined by three amazing speakers. Anna Tazita Samuel, Executive Director at Women for Change in South Sudan, and Freke Azibe, Project Manager from the Coalition for the Promotion of Gender Justice in Nigeria, and Butaina Al-Selwi, Program Manager from Hodeida Girls Foundation, a leading Yemeni NGO in the field of development and humanitarian relief. So before we get going on our conversation today, we thought it would be helpful for listeners if we unpack what is it that we mean by core, flexible and accessible funding? So when it comes to funding, core means that funds can be used to cover loads of different things um, rather than, for example, specific projects. Core costs and functions such as, for example, staffing, admin, monitoring, evaluation and learning, financial systems, capacity, strengthening initiatives and also programming costs. So flexible means that expenditure is based on what women's rights organisations think is strategically important and their own assessments. Flexible means it can be adjusted based on new learning or community requests and needs or emerging crises or context changes, which are so common, obviously, in places affected by conflict. Flexible also means that support to women's rights organisations can be in their institutional or organisational capacity to really thrive as part of a dynamic civil society space. And accessible means that those requirements are proportionate to the grants that are disbursed, that they are adaptable based on good faith discussions and relationships, and also that these requirements do not cause unnecessary burden on admin processes that then end up delaying urgent projects. Safer World, Women for Women International and the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom received UK government conflict stability and security funding to support women's rights organisations in Nigeria, South Sudan and Yemen. The Resourcing Change Project provided 21 of these organisations with an average of £35,000 in flexible and core funding. In this episode, we speak to Anna and Frike and Batena from three of those organisations to learn about their experiences. We know that a remarkable and fairly disturbing 99% of gender-related international aid fails to reach women's rights and feminist organisations directly. Three quarters of the funding never leaves development agencies themselves and the remaining money goes almost entirely to mainstream civil society organizations and international NGOs. So Anna, I'm wondering if you can start with you. What's up with that and what does it mean for feminist and women's rights organizations? Feminist and women, women's rights organizations, especially I will talk about the context of South Sudan. Women's rights organizations have great challenges in uh, getting fundings. 
women's rights organization has really a problem when it comes to visibility, not only funding, because we believe that fundings come after visibility when people have known that these people are doing this kind of activities. But in South Sudan context, it's a different case. Most of the fundings that come to South Sudan are targeting civil society, which are mainly men-led, are targeting UN agents, because uh, most of the money, the fundings that come are put at the UN level. The UN level puts the money into an international organization level, which the uh, women's rights organization finds it so hard to, to really get that. And then when even calls for opportunity comes up, the criteria for getting that funding is very difficult. Sometimes they put that, like, for instance, um, for someone to apply for grants, you have to have five years experience. You have an audit report of over 10 years, which is not realistic for, uh, for, for a local NGO. And then when also you get that money as, as a feminist organization, as a women's rights organization, the funding is restricted. You are restricted to the grants role, like you are not supposed to do this or with this grant, you are not supposed to do this with this grant. So the flexibility of the funding is another aspect that is really a problem to, to women's rights organizations. I know in South Sudan and even in other parts of the, of the world, because as a women's rights organization, we are looking at fundings that have the liberty for us to implement our own activities, our own programming, our own principles. Like if I want to do programming on gender-based violence, I should be allowed to do that. If I want to do programming on human rights or on women empowerment, I should have the liberty to play around with the grants, but not having grants that I say, okay, this grant is for 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 development or oh, this grant is for peace building and strictly is only for peace building other aspects are not incorporated and sometimes also most of these grants they come with the conditions of the donor like when an institution gives for instance women for change grant we said okay women for change we want you to report using our templates, reports according to our terms and conditions, report according to this. Which this like destabilize the, the the capacity of the institution. We are looking at fundings that can really enable us build our institutions. For example, if I can give the example of um, the CSSF project uh, funding, that funding has been actually one of the best that so far as women for change and as the women's rights organization that are under that projects are, are grateful of because that funding has given us to build our capacity as an institution has given us the liberty to really do our own programming and doing a programming to a location that we also wanted we have been looking for funding especially for people of greater yay who have been suffering seriously uh, with the cases of gender-based violence, with the cases of empowerment issues. But with this CSSF project, Women for Change and uh, Women Advancement Plus others, we are able to, to really reach to those locations that we have been looking for funding for. And then also implementing programming, which are purely our own idea, not the 
not imposed by the by the donor, which is Safer World and Women for Women in this case. So that has really built our capability. And institution-wise, the funding that has been given to us, we are able to also improve our staff capacity, that's one, also expand our staffing, because most of the fundings that are given to women's rights organizations do not support staffing, do not even have other departments catered for, like for instance, M&E. Most of the women's rights don't have those departments especially in South Sudan, those are seen as a non-core uh, departments in, 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 in programming by most donors, which is really a problem. It is not making us to be able to, to monitor our activities. It's not strengthening our capacity. It is not building our capacity. So that, again, makes it hard for us Like to, when our capacity are not built, again, donors will say, Ah, women's rights organizations don't have capacity. Women's rights organizations don't have capacity. Every day is the song of capacity, which I think donors will also need to think. Donors should rethink and copy the strategy of this CSSF project approach, where women's rights are given the liberty to bring in what they have, and they also build their capacity by a, improving on their institutional policies, institutional staffing, and very many other things that really makes the women's right organization to, to be called not able to, like not having the capacity. Thank you so much, Anna, for making such a clear case. And also, you know, it was really good to hear that more flexible funding allowed you to actually prioritise what it was that the your organisation wanted to work on in those different locations. I just want to turn now to Batena. I was wondering, Batena, if what Anna was saying resonates with your experience at Hodeida Girls Foundation, and if you could talk briefly about you know what it's like working in Hodeida at the moment and Yemen on these issues. There is a similarity uh, in the difficulties that we faced uh, as a feminist organization in the in the most countries. But I want to mention what happened with us uh, as a local uh, NGOs in uh, 2018 when the Hodeida city was under uh, conflict and the, uh, there were a military uh, operation to reclaim the, the city from the Korean uh, decode uh, authorities. The security uh, situation was uh, so bad, and all uh, international uh, NGOs uh, wandering from the field, and uh, we stay, uh, we stayed alone without resource support or even response to all calls that were made by us to these organizations. Even those the specialists in working during conflict situation, there were ongoing project, but the donors were not allowed for us to transfer funds to activities that serve uh, needs in that time. There were uh, limits uh, on uh, implementation, lack of uh, resource. We are limited by the donors' agreement uh, to do specific uh, activities. The donors, I mean the international different uh, agency that are supposed to uh, work with us in a partnership. This in turn 
weakened uh, our ability to meet all needs in the absence of all NGOs, international and local. We were left without guidance, uh, follow up uh, on our own security situation. And on top of that, expected to uh, implement activities that we were not uh, relevant to the emergency in risky conditions. The presence of each restrictions contribution greatly to the enability of uh, women's organization to uh, respond effectively in addition to the uh, society's privileges to accept the pre-planned activities because they don't meet their basic needs and are uh, useless. In addition to that, there is a failure from most international NGOs and UN agencies to take into account the language sensitivities, type of programming, goals and objectives. When designing gender project, which most of the time leads women lead organization to enter into clash with the community and the local authorities. We are under black clash and the thirds in many of the locations we are working on because of the uh, negative uh, impressions, but uh, they heard uh, in other locations and they are uh, many campaigning against working women and women's organizations. In addition to the abandonment of international NGOs from local NGOs, when they are problems or obstacles they faced with the authorities, even if these organizations are uh, effective and perform their role uh, properly. In many cases, we are alone, while international partners are uh, indifferent way with authorities. Thank you. Butena, can I just ask something regarding what you just explained to us. You talked about clash with communities, so something that is expected of you, but that puts organizations such as yours in a difficult position with the community. Could you provide an example of that? Uh, one of the uh, projects that we made before, we discussed with the donor, uh, there is uh, some words and some activities that the authorities do not allow to do it in the in these situations, or uh, because the the security and uh, all things not suitable for that, and the community needs something different. For example, like uh, awareness session, they didn't get us uh, a permission to do it because they thinking the society now they didn't uh, want to to know or uh, raising their awareness or uh, thinking about something else, they need to help to to uh, something different. So I think we can move on to the Nigeria example. And I would like to ask Mfreke whether she can describe what you chose to do with the money through resourcing change. So what was the experience like and how was it different from other grants? Yes, we received grants from Resourcing Change in 2021. 
and we started working on the project title Community Mobilization and Policy Advocacy to Prevent and Respond to Gender-Based Violence in Calabar Municipality and Calabar South Local Government Areas of Cross River State, Nigeria. As a coalition, receiving this grant marked a turning point for us as an organization. We were able to register our organization with the Ministry of Women Affairs. Interestingly, this is the first grant we have received as an organization, and we were able to work within our community to prevent and respond to cases of gender-based violence. This grant has redeemed the image of our organization, and members of our community now have trust in us that when they report cases to us, they are sure of getting a positive response. The coalition engaged in lobbying and advocacy for by paying advocacy visit to the Attorney General and Commissioner for Justice, Commissioner for Women Affairs, and the Speaker of uh, the Cross River State House of Assembly in partnership with other key stakeholders asking for the passage of the VAP Act into, the, into law. Members of the coalition carried out media campaigns and advocacy works advocating for the passage of the VAP Act into the law. We also participated in the public hearing of the Cross River State VAP Bill, as well as in the public hearing for the Disability Rights Bill. This effort led to the passage of the VAP Act into law by the Cross River State House of Assembly in December 2021. So the bill was assented to by the governor of Cross River State in January 2022. And Cross River State now has a substantive VAP law and a disability rights law. So prior to this funding, the capacity of our members is very limited when it comes to managing cases of gender-based violence. However, of members of the coalition on the following areas, GBV case management, by that I mean gender-based violence case management, and the use of case management tools, gender-sensitive conflict analysis, budgeting, peace building and mediation skills, resource mobilization, leadership and organizational development, knowledge management, as well as monitoring and evaluation. So we have also built the capacities of gender-based violence service providers in our community in order to improve service delivery for survivors. And uh, we've advocated for increased funding for gender-based violence interventions as most non-governmental organizations and government agencies providing these services are grossly underfunded and can only do very little. In addition to this, in terms of responding to gender-based violence, we have been able to provide about 49 survivors trainings on sustainable livelihood skills, psychosocial support, and uh, we've linked them to medical and legal services according to their needs. This has also boosted our visibility as an organization, and there is an increase in the level of awareness and the level of reporting of gender-based violence cases. So now going back to organizational capacity assessment carried out at the inception of this project, we are now able to check some boxes as we now have organizational policies. We have a five-year strategic plan aimed at promoting peace building, gender equality, women's empowerment and participation, gender-based violence prevention and response. So our programs now include gender and equity strategies in all aspects of development and implementation. Also, in terms of partnership and collaboration, we were able to learn through exchange visit with IMEDK Foundation, a fellow women's rights organization on this project. So we've also partnered with International Federation of uh, Women's Lawyers, FIDA, to simplify the VAP law 
to be used in our next phase as a working tool for sensitization and awareness creation. We have also organized a press conference, open dialogue sessions, and opinion sharing gathering with key stakeholders to create awareness on gender-based violence, violence against women and girls, sexual reproductive health and rights, harmful practices issues, and ways of preventing and responding to them. Thank you so much for that, Mfrike. And actually, I would like to stay with you, um, and you've begun to talk about this, but what lessons would you pass on to other women's rights organisations about this type of funding? So the process um, and the co-learning that you did together. The lessons I would love to pass on to other women's rights organisations about the process is that they should deepen the work that they are doing, even when they haven't accessed fundings as this was one of the reasons why our coalition was chosen to embark on this great work. The grant helped us to build on what we were already doing positively in our local community, even without funding. So prior to receiving the grant, we had done the following. We had issued a joint statement to the Cross River State House of Assembly asking for passage of the VAP Act into the law. And then this joint statement was signed by over 300 signatories. We had paid advocacy visit to key stakeholders like the Speaker of Cross River State House of Assembly, Commissioner for Justice, Commissioner for Women Affairs, FIDA, and others to push for the passage of the child's right law and the creation of a sex offenders register in Cross River State. We had organized activities to mark the International Day of the Girl Child, the International Women's Day, as well as the International Day for Rural Women and the 16 days of activism to end gender-based violence. We had visited churches, communities, mosques, and schools for sensitization and created awareness on the importance of ending violence against women and girls. And then we had organized film screenings to educate people about the dangers of gender-based violence and the need to put an end to it. So we were able to achieve this through effective partnership and collaborative efforts, even without funding. So this funding came and then help us to deepen our work more and make more impact. Secondly, women's rights organizations should employ credible leaders who are very passionate about community development process and passionate about increasing their capacity in terms of skills, knowledge, and expertise. The flexible grant would then enable women's rights organizations to shape power, to collectively analyze problems, propose solutions, mobilize and manage resources, and act effectively to transform their lives and environment. In addition to this, women's rights organizations should embrace the feminist principles that has guided this funding and the principles of community development. I believe that these two principles are vital to exploring power, intersectionality, radical approaches to self and collective key and collective action. Also, the entire process of having an enabling environment to practice the principles of autonomy, choice, empowerment and meaningful engagement, as well as establishing the feminist values of cooperation, respect, caring, nurturance, interconnection, justice, equity, honesty, sensitivity, perceptiveness, intuition, treason, fairness, morality, and commitment is said to help women's rights organizations to work with funders and donors towards achieving social, economic, and political parity. Thank you. Anna, the resourcing change project also has a strong movement building and learning component. Was this useful and why? The resourcing change funding was so useful and it has built a great movement of 
feminist organization, especially the five that are really direct beneficiaries of this funding. And this five has encouraged others to really look for this kind of fundings. This resourcing uh, change of funding has also not only empowering the women's rights organization, but had a great impact on the women of South Sudan, on the youths of South Sudan, in that from the empowerment aspect, since like before I said, this project really was designed in a way that the women's rights organization, the feminist organizations were able to identify their needs, address them, and then this has really met the many, many women to be reached. Like out of the five, if I can say more than uh, 2,000 already women that directly benefited from the different women's rights organization uh, activities or the project design that has been uh, carried out by the women's rights organization. And then young uh, youths, like for instance, Women for Change is able to train more than 50 ambassadors, young boys and girls who are well, well knowledge about the dangers of gender-based violence, about the importance of peace building in the community, about the importance of sexually reproductive health in their community. And that alone has been something that many women's rights organizations, many organizations are looking at that kind of programming, but fundings that come into the country cannot allow. Institutional-wise, for instance, Women for Change, we already have strategic uh, plan which has been built out of this project. Uh, we are able to have M&E &E strategic plan. We are able to have the boards for the first time, the boards of board of members of Women for Change be trained, and they were able to know their rights. Because, you know, as women's rights organizations, when we are forming up these organizations, we take people of like-minded, but again, they don't know their constitutional right. They don't know their constitutional role in governing the, the institution. And this grant alone was able to enable women for change and the other women's rights organizations too in South Dan to, to train their boards of members. And I can tell you that as of now, we have moved from that traditional kind of board members, organization who have board members, who are only there to see, they don't know what they're supposed to do, to a verbal and informed board members who are not taking the lead in it, um, mobilization of resources for the institution, in other governing roles of the institution. And I believe that if all grants come like this to women's rights organization, women's rights organization or feminist organization in in South Sudan and even across will really deliver services to the right people and the issue of capacity will not longer be there and the needs of the community will be addressed properly without any problem and the cases of gender-based violence will really reduce in the community because in the areas that we have reached, in the areas that these resource as change funds have been implemented in, a lot of changes have happened, especially in the context of South Sudan. And even other donors are asking us, how are you doing? How have you gotten this kind of, of funding uh, that it's allowing you to, free, to play around with whatever that you want to do? Like 
changing the thematic area from this to that. And I think that is something that really I will encourage. I will also call upon donors to support those kind of, of funding. The only thing that perhaps I wanted to also say is that the resourcing change project is really a great one, though it is it was implemented in a short period of time that we we are not able to realize exactly other needs we are not able to be addressed. And I also urge uh, maybe other donors or other partners to really look at those kind of gaps and then see that and when this flexible kind of funding comes, let us be given a, a good period of time. Let the feminist organization be given a good period of time, like let's talk of like even five years, so that you really know that what you have invested in, the outcome is out. That is one recommendation that I would really put it forward to all partners, to all donors to look at. And then one thing also, when you support a women's rights organization, when you support a feminist organization, know that you are supporting the really community on ground because this community, especially in the context of South Sudan, this women's rights organization works directly with the affected population in the area, in the villages, not in the cities in the rural areas, which I believe that women's rights organizations, they are really doing a, a great work and they need to be supported with the flexible funding, not static funding as other donors are doing. Thank you so much, Anna. I think you've made such a clear case there and, and thank you for re reflecting on the need for investment over a longer period of time and You've really made a strong case for all the impact you were able to have just by being able to put your priorities first and be able to be strategic. My final question is really related to some of the things that you were touching on. And I'd like to ask Batena, please, what you think would be an effective and sustainable way for donors and INGOs to partner with or provide funds or, you know, even just invest in feminist or gender transformative peace building projects specifically? We should start with the trust and mental partnership. The international community in Yemen needs to understand that we are fully capable of designing and managing the funds provided by them as we are the most familiar with the needs of society and the change in, uh, the, in the situation. We have to be uh, involved in all stage of the project preparations, starting from real needs assessment and uh, concept design, budget design, and all the ways to completion to take into account the specific needs of the communities and to build the project and objects on their needs and not the other way. While giving ways to flexibility, to change according to the uh, context change. In security response, a donor needs to be rebid and flexible, open and transparent of uh, communications are most. The funds uh, should be, uh, should uh, contribute to development uh, of organizational performance and uh, support it directly and help in financing the main structure of the organization. 
which opens the way for uh, adding employees who contributed to the development of uh, performance and uh, meet the needs of women organizations to research effective and uh, influential performance in society and maintenance their sustainability. One way of doing that is shared overheads. The required uh, reports should uh, focus on the learning and development from the project instead of uh, usual uh, activities uh, implementations report to trust us as uh, equal partner to learn, success, and develop together and not as a tool for implementation. We hear donors always ask for a reliable partners who work hard in the field and to achieve the donor's goals. But in fact, we are the ones who need the presence of reliable donors who provide the support that meets the needs of society and local NGOs. Donors and partnerships that do not marginalize us uh, further. We are the last standing reminds of democracy in Yemen. We are the only voice of the weak and the oppressed. To empower them, donors need to stop disempowering us. The nonprofit sector in Nigeria, especially, is facing high competition for available resources and funding. So this competition has made a lot of uh, non-profit to fold up and um, because they are unable to meet the demands of funders in order to access funds. Uh, and then this challenge is even more felt among new non-profits like mine who are expected to meet some registration and legal procedures associated with the uh, normal or typical funding. So I would like to to stress that this uh, flexible uh, core funding has really helped my organization to move from where we were to where we are now. And um, this has really boosted our visibility within our community. So, and uh, from being at the back, we have moved to the front and uh, most uh, survivors now know us and they are reporting more cases to us than before when we were not having funding and they came to us we were not able to respond as expected so i want to really thank um saver wall and uh, the management for this funding as it has really helped my organization and uh, i believe that if we get more access to this kind of funding are going to be among the top organizations in not just in Cross River State, but within Nigeria as a whole that are preventing and responding to gender-based violence cases. Thank you, Anna, Butaina, and Mfreke. That's all the time we have for today. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as we did. Until next time, from me, Delina Gojo. And me, Jessica Summers. Goodbye. Warpod from Safer World. You can listen to all previous episodes and catch the latest releases every month wherever you get your podcasts by searching for and following Warpod. And to find out more about our work at Safer World, please visit saferworld.org.uk.